Uh, Our scripture lesson for today is this passage of scripture from Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. And when I gave this information to Iran months ago, I said the sermon title was going to be Get a Life. But today I probably need to get a new title because I don't think that's where it's going. But um, anyway, um, for Valentine's Day, my wife Hillary gave me a... uh, cooking class. Maybe you saw me post about it on Facebook. Now, uh, I'm, those of you who know me, I am not a cook. Uh, I am not a cook at all. In fact, I think a smoke detector is really a, your cooking stinks detector. That's the way I look at the smoke detector. And, you know, in fact, I'm working on one now. If I could just get some funding from some of you who are looking to waste some money. What about a, a smoke detector that stops the moment you say, hey, don't worry about it. I'm just cooking lunch. I mean, you know, it would just stop ringing. Um, well, you know, before I met Hillary, you could have hidden every one of my presents in my oven, and there's a good chance I would have never found them. That's how much I cook. I really don't like cooking. But Hillary had this wonderful evening planned. It was kind of a date night. We went to the Curious Kitchen, and it was a simple meal. There were a few other couples there. We had a a fun time. Uh, It was a lot of fun, and it was actually a meal that, that was easy to cook and that I felt somewhat capable and competent in cooking it. An enjoyable evening. Well, I was telling a friend about it later, and and the friend said, well, um, this Curious Kitchen, is it in Murfreesboro? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, well, that's fine. I'm sure you had a good time. But did you know that you could actually be taught to cook by Gordon Ramsay? Now, I'm not a cook, but I, even I know who Gordon Ramsay is. And so I said, well, what do you mean I could be taught to cook by Gordon Ramsay? He says, well, uh, there's this new thing called Master Class, and maybe you've heard about it. For $180 a year, you can take hundreds of classes from hundreds of famous people and you can learn something about what they're good at. So if you want to take a class on filmmaking, you could take a class with Martin Scorsese. If you want to take a class on directing, you could take a class from Ron Howard. If you wanted to take a class on songwriting, you could take a class from Alicia Keys. And this one you might think I need to take. If you want to take a comedy class, you could take one from Steve Martin. There's hundreds of different classes teaching you hundreds of different things. And so apparently Gordon Ramsay teaches a cooking class on there. And I said, well, that's fine and good. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would like to take a cooking class from Gordon Ramsay, but I personally don't like people yelling at me for long periods of time. And so if it's just the same with you, I'm glad that I took my class at the Curious Kitchen with my wife. Now, um, there were no master class online presentations during Saint, uh, Simon Peter's Day. Uh, but if you wanted to take a class on discipleship, there was somebody very famous right there in their midst that would help you understand what discipleship really means. This is the guy that the moment that John the Baptist baptized him, the heavens opened up, a voice came down, a a Holy Spirit came down like a a dove and, and descended upon him, and the voice from heaven said, that's my son 
Listen to him. He is beloved. And if that's not a good enough resume for you, then later, after he spent some time teaching those around him, uh, he asked them a question one day. Who do you say that I am? And, and, and they began to say all sorts of people that, that people were claiming that Jesus might be. But Peter said, but I know that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus was so pleased with uh, Jesus, with Simon's answer. So if you want to take a master class on discipleship, then who better than the master himself to teach you about discipleship? Can you just imagine the first class? Uh, everybody's streaming. Uh, well, they didn't do that back then. But everybody is there eagerly awaiting what the master is going to teach about discipleship. And so he stands up in the very first class and he says, Well, here basically is uh, discipleship in a nutshell. It's just like cooking with Gordon Ramsay or film producing with Martin Scorsese. The number one rule, if I could boil it all down for you, is do what I tell you to do. If you do what the master tells you to do in the master's area of expertise, you're going to be really good at doing that certain thing. And so imagine Jesus then after saying, in a nutshell, it's do what I tell you to do. And then he follows that up with, if you really want to be a master disciple, you have to be willing to suffer you have to be willing to experience rejection. And you have to even be willing to die. I'm guessing at that moment, there were a lot of people in the class that said, Refund, where do I get the refund? Uh, this is not what I signed up for. I don't want to take a class where you tell me that I have to do everything that you tell me to do. And then right after that, you tell me that I have to suffer, that I have to experience rejection, and that I even have to be willing to die. Can you imagine can you imagine those disciples there? They're probably sitting there thinking amongst themselves, now wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. I left my family to follow you. I left my business to follow you. I left my um, boat to follow you. I left my bed to follow you. I didn't sign up for all of this. This was not a part of the syllabus. Can you imagine? Simon Peter, he's always the one that speaks. You know, everybody else probably thinks the same thing, but Simon's the one that kind of pulls Jesus to the side and says, you know what? Uh, this is not going to work. I mean, I know you're the master. I know that even your Father in heaven said that we were supposed to listen to you. Um, I know that we were supposed to do whatever it is that you do because that would make a good disciple, but, but, but you've got it all wrong. You see... Um, we want David's throne is what we want. Uh, we want to rule other nations with power and might. That's what we signed up for. Um, we don't want a cross. Uh, we want a crown. We, we want to put something on our heads so that everybody else has to bow in deference and reverence to us. That's what we want. And Mark says that Peter rebuked. Jesus. 
Now, that word rebuke is pretty important for this particular part of the story because that word rebuke is the same Greek word that Jesus uses when he exercises demons out of people. And so basically what Peter is saying to Jesus is you have lost your ever-loving mind. You are speaking a bunch of nonsense. You are possessed. This is not what any of us signed up for. This is not what a Messiah should do. It's not in the syllabus. It should not be part of your agenda. We should not be having this conversation. You know, Peter saying that would be just like me trying to tell Gordon Ramsay how to cook. This is a, a, a disciple who's trying to tell Jesus what it means to be a disciple. And then it says, after Peter rebuked Jesus, Jesus rebuked him. I suspect that Jesus lost his mind all right when Peter tried to tell him what being a disciple of Jesus looked like. And Jesus says to Peter, you get behind me, Satan, because you are focused on heavenly things, on human things, and not on heavenly things. I suspect that one of the reasons why Jesus called him Satan is because when he's standing there looking at Peter in that moment, he is remembering how when he was sent off into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted by Satan. And what was Satan trying to get Jesus to do in the wilderness during those 40 days and 40 nights? Satan was trying to get Jesus to do anything other than what God had called Jesus to do. To say anything other than what God had told Jesus to say. To be anything else else except what Jesus what God wanted Jesus to be and Jesus was tempted to listen Jesus had the power to do it he could have walked away he could have done anything that he wanted to uh, Jesus could have avoided doing what Je what God had called him to do and Satan was trying to tempt him and isn't that exactly what Peter was trying to do as well he was trying to stop Jesus from doing what he was supposed to do. He was trying to stop Jesus from being who he was supposed to be. He was trying to stop Jesus from saying what Jesus was supposed to say. And I bet you Jesus was fed up. And he said, you get behind me, Satan. When I called you, when you were washing those nets on the side of the beach on that sunny afternoon, I told you to follow me. I did not tell you to guide me. So you get your butt behind me and you follow me where I tell you to go. And you do what I tell you to do. And you be who I tell you to be. I am the master teacher. This is the master class. And if you want to be a disciple, then you have to do it the way that I tell you you have to do it. Being a disciple is more than just watching Jesus heal people. Being a disciple is more than just hearing Jesus speak. Being a disciple is more than just getting his title right when you call him the Messiah, the Son of the Most High God. Being a disciple sometimes means you have to go and walk the same kind of path that Jesus walked. 
A path that can lead to suffering. A path that might end up with you experiencing rejection. A path that might very well even end up with your death. And make no mistake about it, this story is included in Mark's gospel not just because Mark wanted us to see how bad Peter flubbed it. Not just to make an example out of Peter, but Mark is very clear in his text that he's talking to everybody, including us. Right before he rebukes uh, Peter, what does Jesus do? He looks at all the other disciples that were there too. It's as if Peter, it's as if Jesus is saying, now look, I know this idiot's the only one who spoke up because he's impulsive and he's always got a shoe in his mouth and he can't keep quiet, but every single one of you other disciples are thinking the same thing. You want to be a good disciple except when it gets uncomfortable. Except when you have to make a sacrifice. Except when you have to experience rejection. Except when you might even have to die and he's not just talking to the disciples either there comes a point in the text where Jesus actually gathers in the entire crowd that was there so now it's not just Peter it's not just the chosen 12 apostles it's everybody that was there that day and he said if you want to be a disciple then you have to deny yourself you have to take up your cross and you have to follow me. Now, I'm guessing when everybody heard it that day, they really didn't have a clue what Jesus was really trying to say there. Jesus didn't really go into any great explanation about what that meant. I'm sure that they were just still rocked to the core by what Jesus had just told them that they might have to do as disciples. We've had thousands of years to ponder these texts, and I'm not sure that we even really understand truly what Jesus was trying to say when he said that. But here's some of what I think he was trying to say. When he says, deny yourself, he's not saying that you aren't important. He's not saying that what you aspire to be and what you want to be and what you would like to be and some of your goals in life, that, that those aren't important to God or to you I think what he's saying is you have to be willing to deny yourself whenever what you want gets in the way of what God wants whenever what you want to be gets in the way of what God wants you to be whatever you want to say gets in the way of what God wants you to say I think that's what Jesus means when he says that we must deny ourselves and when Jesus says you got to take up your cross, you know, I was raised in a denomination and in a family that, that viewed the cross as, well, we all have crosses to bear. And so whenever something bad happens, it just happens. You just got to carry it. It's your cross. You got to bear it. And I'm not sure that that's what Jesus means at all here. I'm not sure he's talking about illness. I'm not sure he's talking about abuse. I'm not sure he's talking about some great life event. This is just Jesus' way of saying that I want your life life to matter to mean something I want you to be about the important things in life things that are so important to you that you would be willing to die for them if you had to 
I think that's what Jesus means when he says to take up your cross. It's being willing to put your life on the line for the things of God, for what God wants you to do and say and be. You know, we don't talk, there aren't any great hymns really about taking up your cross. Oh, we like to survey the wondrous cross, don't we? We like to glory in the cross of Christ, don't we? We love that old cross where the dearest and the best. But Jesus said, following me is more than just surveying a cross. Following me is more than just glorying the cross. Following me is more than just loving the old rugged cross. Following me is being willing to take up the cross. That was an image that would have been seared into the brains of all of those people in Jesus' day. When you saw somebody with a cross on their back, it meant that they were headed to their death. And what Jesus wanted them to be about is deny yourself and be willing to die for the things that I'm willing to die for. Face it with courage. Face it with bravery. But do it because that's what discipleship is all about. And make no mistake about how important Jesus thought this was. Uh, Joel Osteen never preaches on this text, by the way, because God just wants to bless everybody, give you a lot of stuff, make you happy. Jesus said, here's how serious what I'm saying to you is. If you're ashamed of me, and you don't live the way I've called you to live, and you don't do the things that I've called you to do, and if you don't be the things I've called you to be, if you refuse to deny yourself, if you refuse to be willing to die for what I'm calling you to be willing to die for and follow me, if you're ashamed of me, Make no mistake about it. When all is said and done and the Son of Man comes again in glory, He's going to be ashamed of you. Now, I didn't write that. I'm a people pleaser. That would be a hard word to give to people for me. That's what Jesus said. So if we're following Jesus and it's easy, if we're following Jesus and we haven't experienced suffering and rejection and possibly even death, we may not be doing it right. Now, Jesus and God, they don't delight in suffering. Jesus spent so much of his ministry trying to heal people who were sick, trying to feed people who were hungry. Jesus doesn't delight in suffering, so don't think that Jesus is just uh, delighting in inflicting suffering on us. But what Jesus knew well, and what we know well, is sometimes in the darkest of days is where we learn the most about who we are and about who God is. The season of Lent is an opportunity for us to take up the cross, to walk with Jesus as He journeys to Golgotha, to be mindful of how great He loved us, but also to be mindful 
that Jesus calls him, calls us to follow him. And sometimes it's not easy. 